0: listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our series called Community is Our Middle Name. Community is Our Middle Name. And last week, I told you that the word community is more than just our middle name as a church. It speaks to who we are and to what we do. From Genesis to Revelation Church, God has ordained us to be in relationship. We're not meant to do this alone. You're not supposed to go through life alone. You're supposed to be, you're created to be in fellowship with God's people. And, and so when, when God looked at Adam and his loneliness in the garden, he knew that he had to make him a helper, someone to do life with. The second core value at DCC, we call them the four D's of destiny. The second core value is Dependence. Giving people opportunities to meet other believers in order to build relationships for eternity because we believe that's the only thing you can take to heaven with you are your relationships. And, and, and so this is and it will always be a priority for us as a church, okay? I need you to understand community is who we are. Growing up, I could tell by the way that my mom said my name if I was in trouble or not. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If, if mom just said, Rocky, then she just needed my attention. She was going to tell me something, inform me about something, or show me something. She just, she just needed my attention. If she said, Rock, then it was usually something good that she was going to share with her. Maybe she had made some cookies or brownies or something. But if mom ever said, Rocky Thomas... Mm, I was probably in trouble the use of that middle name it signifies the severity of the conversation and where we're heading with it well destiny community nobody's in trouble today Amen? amen nobody's in trouble and and I need you to really understand what I'm saying when I say that okay I praise God that we are not currently dealing with any issues in the church. I can, I can with an honest heart, stand here and say that, that no one is disgruntled that I know of. No one is disgruntled. If you are, keep your, your disgruntledness to yourself, um, because by the end of today's message, hopefully, hopefully you'll know how to deal with that, okay? Um, we're not dealing with disunity right now. Uh, the current state of our church makes a message like this just easier to preach, and let's look at this more like preventive maintenance. Can we do that? I, I think sometimes it's good for us to, to reinforce what we're already acting out, okay? And so this is preventive maintenance for us. What we're doing is we're just simply tightening the bolts so that the wheels won't come off, okay? That's all we're doing today. And so preventive maintenance. Psalm 133 and 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How many of you are thankful today that we are in unity right now, right? Because amazing things happen when God's people unite. When God's people come together for the, for the common cause of Christ, it, it, some, some amazing things happen. Things like they serve their communities through various serve projects. They offer a, a fall family-friendly festival. You try saying that. Um, they sell Christmas trees, and they raise over a quarter of a million dollars over the past three years. Amen? Amen. To give away, all to give away. They get to witness souls being saved almost weekly. When God's people are united, they open up other campuses to bless other communities. How good and pleasant it is at Destiny Community Church. Amen? It is good and it is pleasant. But with that said, I want us to understand that some of the greatest of churches and some of the greatest Christian movements have imploded because of a lack of unity. I have witnessed it with my own eyes. At the beginning of our marriage, actually the church that Mandy and I met in, uh, Mandy and I were involved in that great church and that blessed us, they helped mold us into who we are today. It's the same church that I mentioned last week that when Mandy had cancer, they, they rallied around us and, and and they blessed us financially, they served us, They just they helped us through a very trying time at the beginning of our marriage. Unfortunately, Division in that same church caused that church to split in half There were people that I loved on both sides of the divide and it was one of the most trying times in our church That church 26 years later has still not recovered And it's tragic So why? Why do I want to talk about unity in the community? It's because I want to make sure that we don't fall into some of those same traps. And I'm going to explain this to you because you have to understand we have a real enemy. And the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Trust me, Satan hates the church. He hates the church. And, and, And the reason why is because Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her he gave his life for the church and satan wants to destroy the church and he accomplishes this through discord and disunity if you want to see the the beginning of the end of a great church just watch as, as people begin to bicker, people begin to, to grumble, as, as people just begin to, to, to have these conversations behind closed doors, I mean, when that stuff starts happening, I'm telling you, if you don't get control of it right away, you will soon watch a church implode. And, and, and Satan, his, his, his device that he uses, is discord, it's disunity, it's and that's how he comes to destroy a church. Now, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 17 to begin with. John chapter 17. And this is just moments before Jesus was betrayed and arrested. Arrested. Just moments before he's betrayed and arrested. And he prays this sincere prayer for his disciples and for the believers to come. He didn't just limit it to his, his current disciples. He made sure in his prayer that everyone who was going to become a believer, even after that that prayer, he made sure that he covered them too, okay? And so he he prays this very sincere prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer of Christ. And of all the things that, that he could have prayed for, he prayed for unity in the church. That's what he prayed for, unity in the church. John chapter 17, verses 9 through 11 to begin with. Jesus is praying and he says, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Somebody say united. He said, Father, let them be united just as we are. Go down to verse 20. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us, church. That's us. He's praying for us. What an honor that is, that Christ is looking down through the ages, and he's covering us in prayer in this moment. He said, not just for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, say one, just as you and I are one, say one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Say unity. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. You know, Jesus could have prayed for anything for the church. He could have prayed for anything. He could have prayed, God, give them plenty of finances. Like let ministry be so easy that that they just have all the funding that they need to do whatever they want to do. Like, Lord, if they want to give away a quarter of a million dollars a year to children in need, give it to them. Just bless them with finances. He could have prayed that. He, he, he could have prayed, Lord, give them high attendance. Let their numbers just continue to grow, grow and grow. Let their membership, let their church membership increase. Let it be great. He could have prayed that. He, he could have prayed, Lord, give all of our churches favor with government officials and politicians he could have prayed that but he didn't when Jesus was praying for the church he prayed for our unity out of everything he could have prayed for he prayed for us to be united because Jesus knew that the enemy would attack the unity of the church He also knew that when working together that the church would be unstoppable because remember what he told Peter? Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He knew that when we work together, when we are in one mind and one accord, he knew great things were going to happen. Remember the day of Pentecost, when they were in one mind and one accord, then the Spirit of God fell from heaven and baptized all of those believers with fire. It was at that moment they were ignited for the cause of Christ. Jesus knew that when we are in one mind, one accord, when we are in unity working together, there is nothing that we cannot accomplish for the kingdom of God. And it wasn't just a sentence in the prayer. It wasn't just a passing thought. This was the sincere main topic of his prayer. God, make them one. Let them be one. Let them be united. May they experience perfect unity. I'm reminded of one of the, peanuts cartoons where lucy demanded that linus change tv channels threatening him with her fist if he didn't and and linus responds he says what makes you think you can walk in here and just take over And lucy said these five fingers individually they're nothing but when i curl them together like this into a single unit they form a weapon that is terrible to behold Linus said, what channel do you want? <laughs> and then turning away, he looks at his fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> this is the frustration of some churches. If they could just get it together. Some of you, you've been there, you know. If, if they could just work together, then they could do something for the kingdom of God. If they could just all get on the same page. But what happens is, the enemy comes in, he brings disunity and discord to the church, and they spend more time at odds fighting one another, and the real enemy never even has to lift a finger, he just watches them self-destruct. I'm all about making the devil's job hard, because if he wants to confuse, mislead, or control someone in this community, he has to come through us first. Amen? You see, church, you can't spell community without the word unity you cannot spell community without unity unity in the church is necessary to be all that God has called us to be and unless unity prevails that church will be stagnant they will never gain ground for the kingdom of God you know that we're called to gain ground for the kingdom of God right We are called to have dominion. We are called to make things happen for the kingdom of God, not through our power, but through his power working through us. We are not to be stagnant. It shouldn't be the frozen chosen showing up for church every week. We should see growth because anything healthy is growing, right? Anything healthy is growing. We should see growth, but we should see healthy growth. We should see disciples being made. We should see men and women coming to know Jesus Christ and then surrendering their lives to his cause. That's what a growing church looks like. But, but I want you to understand that unity is not sameness. It's not sameness. It's, it's not everyone being the same. Unity is only possible when diversity is present. You see, being in the same mind frame with others who look like you, dress like you, and think like you is uniformity. That's different. Because God has not called us to change each other as it relates to distinction. I I, I hear the critic. Hear me out. Aside from sin, okay, trust me, we confront sin. Aside from sin, it is okay for us to be different. I really thought I'd get a few amens there. At least the Trenton campus did. Thank you, guys. The FWRC is blowing up right now, I promise you. I I need you to understand, aside from sin, it's okay for us to be different. We, We want to have the same kingdom values, but we don't have to always see eye to eye and be exactly alike. That's not what he's called us to be. Uniqueness is not a problem unless it conflicts with the word of God, and at that point, change is necessary. But please understand that our cultural differences, the way we were raised, our personalities, our preferences, do not all have to be the same. And, And even, let me go a step farther. Those differences are to be celebrated at times. For instance... I am as white as the paper DNA results are printed on. I get it. My mom is white. My dad was white. I don't know how else to say this. I was raised very white, okay? That's who I am. Don't get me wrong, I can still dance. (laughs) And I'll bow up on the basketball court, okay? But you can look at me and you can tell I'm white. But that does not stop me from appreciating Black History Month in February. It does not stop me from appreciating Hispanic Heritage Month, which, by the way, ends today. In case some of you are wondering. Dios te bendiga, mi hermanos y hermanas. I'm not looking to change how God created people. But what we should do as a church, I am trying to help people change sinful lifestyles that are contrary to the word of God. That's the only change we're looking for. Amen? Imagine, imagine if we were all the same body part in the kingdom of God. What if we were all noses? Like everybody's a nose. It, it, it just wouldn't work. It would be a mess, right? Right? And During cold season, boy, it would be a mess, right? <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 20. Listen to what the apostle Paul said. He said, "For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, "Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would?" be the sense of hearing. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, even God celebrates our diversity and our different spiritual giftings. Church, we should do the same. Amen? Amen. We should do the same. In in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through Three, Paul writes he says I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love let me read that again bearing with one another in love oh let's just back up even more with humility and gentleness and patience bearing with one another in love I'm, I'll, I'll read it all day till I get an amen All humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. I'm telling you, we're transformed by the word of God. This changes our hearts. And then he says in verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Eager. The apostle Paul said that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. And the bonding agent is peace, is what he says. Unity and peace with our Christian brothers and sisters has to be a priority for us. It it, it should be something that we're eager to obtain and eager to fight for, eager eager to defend. We should correct anything and anyone who threatens the unity in the church. Amen? Oh, you're going to get this. I promise you, you're going to get this. We should correct anyone and anything that threatens the unity of the church. That means when you hear that negativity, you stop it. You do it in love, but you stop it and you say, listen, there's a way to deal with this and I'm going to show you how to deal with it in just a moment. There's a way to deal with this and this is not the way. You should be eager to protect the unity of the church just as Paul commanded us to. Even if the, the conflict comes from within, especially if the conflict comes from within. So how do we do this? First of all, we need to practice what what Christ told us to do first. He gave us an outline for it. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said that if you have a problem with someone, if you have ought against someone, if you don't like someone, if you don't like what they did, if you don't like how they treated you, if you don't like what they said about you, if if for some reason they hurt your feelings, he said in Matthew 18, he said, then you should go to them one-on-one, mano-a-mano. One-on-one. He said, don't get other people involved. If if you want to heal that relationship, you go air your grievances out with them one-on-one. He said, if that doesn't work, if they don't receive it, then then you can take someone else with you. But take someone with you that that has the goal of healing the relationship in in their heart, not someone who's just on your side and wants to bash the other person. One-on-one. Jesus said, one-on-one. If, if you talk with, with anyone else about this, what you are doing is sowing discord. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I, I didn't ask her, but Kay, I praised you earlier today about the way that you handle situations. You have been a model for the way that these things should be handled. Trust me, if Kay has a problem with you, Kay will come to you. And I love it. And she handles it in the right spirit, and she'll talk with you about it. It is the Matthew chapter 18 model that, that Christ gave us. And, and here's the crazy thing is that <clears throat> no one is, that, that is sowing discord ever sees themselves as sowing discord. You ever notice that? They never, they never realize, oh, maybe I'm the problem. I'm the problem, it's me, Right? God save me right now. I just quoted Taylor Swift and didn't even know it. Let's just all hit our knees and pray. We we need it. No one ever says it's I, I'm the one that's sowing discord. They don't even realize it while they're doing. You know, they'll they'll paint it like this. I'm just venting. I'm just confiding. Jesus didn't tell you to go vent and confide. He said when you got a problem with someone, you go talk to them personally with the hopes of healing that relationship. Imagine how many grievances could be fixed if we just had the courage to do what the Word of God says to do. Proverbs chapter 6 verses 16 through 19 says that there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And then he gives us this list. And listen, you, you, you can understand why some of these things made the list. These are the things God hates, Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. That means if you're sowing discord among brothers and sisters in Christ, God hates it. I didn't say he hates you. I said, he hates what you're doing. It's, it's been a while since I taught this, but, but it works. And, and I, I was just praying this week, and I felt like God dropped it back in my spirit. And I just thought, you know what? It's, it's a good time. It's a good time. We've seen a lot of growth around our church. I think it's a good time. Again, this is all preventive maintenance. We don't have any problems, right? I said, we don't have any problems. You're like, well, we didn't <laughs> until you started this message. We should be able to talk with anyone that we love and care about in the right place, at the right time, and with the right attitude. That's the key. Guys, this works in the home. It it works at school. It works on the job. And it certainly works in the church. When you can approach someone at the right time, the right place, and the right attitude, it works. Listen, if you've got a problem with me, and it happens from time to time. I get it. If I did something that offended you, if I, if I didn't do something and that offended you, if, if I did something or said something that you didn't like, I'm letting you know right now my door is open. I welcome that because I'm a conf- confrontational person. If i got a problem, I'll come to you. And so my door is open. But come to me at the right time, the right place, and with the right attitude. And we'll talk it through together. I'll tell you what I like to do. I like to shoot someone a message to let them know, hey, I'd like to sit down and talk with you about this so that they can walk in as prepared as I am so that they have time to pray about it also. And then we can sit down face-to-face. I don't like airing it out through email. I don't like airing it out through text messages. I like to sit down face-to-face and have a conversation with someone with the goal of healing in mind right time right place and right attitude and let me say something about this right after service on a sunday morning is not the right time right place and right attitude to confront me about anything i am not responsible for what i say to you if you come to me right after service amen i said amen Honestly, it, it's, it's not fair to me. Because I'm telling you, I'm going to pour everything I have into this today. And when I pour my heart into teaching you the Word of God, by the end I am spent. And, and I'm just telling you, it, it may not be the reaction that you want. It's not the reaction I want. And one more thing. <clears throat> just <clears throat> some housekeeping. Please, no theological discussions right after I teach. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Thank you. Unity is not hard to gain but it should be extremely hard to lose hear me if we abide by the word of god unity should be hard for us to lose because here's here's the way it looks we all came to jesus in the same sinful nature every one of us i'm not more special than you you're not more special than me We were all dead in our sin when we came to Christ, and we find common ground at the foot of the cross. Let me explain it like this, because this this is really where you get a a glimpse of what grace looks like. The same blood that cleanses a gossiper cleanses a murderer. The same grace that saves an alcoholic saves an adulterer. And the same faith that saves an innocent child saves a guilty convict. It's the same grace. And when we see each other through his eyes, we learn to love, we learn to serve, and we learn to appreciate one another. Colossians 3 and 14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You hear what he said? Above all other virtues, he said, put on love. Make sure you put love on because it's going to bind you together in perfect unity. Put on love. What is love? God is love. So you put on God and then you will live in unity, church. When Paul wrote his first letter to the church in Corinth, the church in Corinth was a mess. That church was just a mess. And there are no less than 15 different issues that Paul had to address with them. Probably more, but there's at least 15 that he clearly spells out. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1 and verse 10, he said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You see... This church in Corinth, they were divided on, on who they should follow. And there were questions being asked. Should we follow Paul? Should we follow Apollos? Should we follow Cephas? Should we follow Christ? I love Paul's response. He said, did, did Paul die for you? He said, I don't think so. I didn't die for you. He, he paints the picture very clearly. It's, it's Jesus and, and, and it's only Jesus. That's the only one we're going to put our trust in. But this church, they were divided in their marriages they were divided over doctrine, and they were divided as a church, even to the point that they were suing, suing each other in the court of law. They were filing lawsuits against other members in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 and 18, Paul says, but, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. Listen to this rebuke. He says, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. You ever been to a church like that? More harm than good is done when they just come together and sit on the same pews. He said, first, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. Paul goes on, and he he addresses their issues, and then he instructs them to do something that seems so unorthodox in the moment. It's crazy. Like, there's problems. There's people not seeing eye to eye. There's there's disunity. There's division in the church. And Paul tells them, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take communion together. Wait, what? And he addresses some of the practices of communion. I mean, they were such hateful people. They were not even wanting to share communion elements with one another. Like, some of them were, were hoarding the... The, 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 the wine hoarding, the bread, they, they just didn't want to even share with each other. And he tells them, he says, before you take communion, you should examine your heart. He says, you need to look at, at really who you are in Christ Jesus and maybe who you're not in Christ Jesus. Examine your heart. And so church, I'm calling us here at, at the Newberry campus, at the Trenton campus, at the FWRC, I'm calling all of us right now To examine our hearts. To see where we're at. Because we're about to take communion together. The very thing that that Paul knew. Would would bring them together. Would draw them together. We're going to take communion together. Because nothing unites us together. More than the blood of Jesus. And the sacrifice that he made for us. Because when you realize that. When you know. That you were dead in your sin. And you're saved because of Christ Jesus and you look over next to you and sitting in a chair right down from you there's someone else that they were dead in their sin but now they're alive in Christ Jesus that's what brings us together that's the joy of the Lord that 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 is our strength so as you prepare your communion elements I want to read to you what Paul told them first Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 25. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Before you eat, here's what I ask you to do. Remember what Christ did for you. Remember what Christ did for you and what he did and what he prayed for the unity of the church. Would you take break and eat of the bread? Verse 25 says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Would you take and drink of the blood? I invite you to stand at this campus and Trenton campus and the FWRC and just raise your hands to heaven. I just want to praise him for what he did for each and every one of us. That there's no one in this room that is any greater, that is higher on a totem pole. There's no one here that he sees differently. But that he looked at all of us and said, I love you enough to die for you that's what binds us that's what brings us together thank you Lord for the sacrifice that was paid for your church you were faithful even to the cross for your church and we praise you Lord we thank you that we get to be a part of a community of believers that we all look to the cross of Christ for our salvation we look to an empty tomb for our eternal life and we thank you Lord that we are not dead in our sin anymore but we are very much alive in Christ united keep your church united we pray in Jesus name amen amen amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.